Hello and welcome to Dumb and Awful, Pakistan's number one comedy podcast program <laughs> certified by iTunes. I'm Rob <laughs> at Dumb and Awful is my Twitter handle. Uh, this is Brett. Everyone looks forward. Things are going to be a little different now that we've made it big time. <laughs> now that we have the number one comedy listed podcast in Pakistan. <laughs> is that not true? Uh, was it number one? I know it got it's rated. The number one. I'm not allowed to look at metrics because my brain is shit. But <laughs> it seems to bring you some joy. So yeah, it was number one. I just love that I'm finally <laughs> being recognized by my community, which is southwestern <laughs> Pakistan. <laughs> some guy just like Mark Marin Pow, I shit on your podcast. <laughs> Nerdist more like nerd shit. Only dumb and awful tells the truth on Dollar Mendy. <laughs> you know, he went to prison for like sex trafficking. Wait, really? Dollar Mendy? Oh, I, I did not know that. No. Wow. Real take from Brett here. I genuinely didn't know that. Yeah, I guess he was like trafficking sex slaves for India or something. Right. It's like really protected. Sort of the, the Epstein thinker's Epstein. <laughs> the real Epstein man's Epstein man. <laughs> But, you know, he wasn't Western, so he didn't get the attention. It's like how The Matrix was a ripoff of a much earlier, better one. <laughs> Not saying Epstein has to compete. Same way Christianity is just a ripoff of Buddhism, yeah. How is Christianity a, a ripoff of Buddhism? Those have the opposite vibes. Well, New Testament. New Testament is very specifically versus Old Testament. But yeah, the idea was part of where Jesus might have uh, wandered during his uh, years in the desert was getting exposed to Buddhist ideas because there's a lot of interesting Buddhist principles in the New Testament. I like to think that they met each other so that I can ship them <laughs> <laughs> in the desert. <laughs> Dude, I'm psyched that I'm, I'm the most popular comedy podcaster in Pakistan. Do you think there's just a, a CIA <laughs> listening station that know me from back in the day? <laughs> Hanging out in Abbottabad. <laughs> we'll do a, let's do a live show in Turbot. <laughs> I'm down. The audience, it's still somehow just white trans lesbians arguing about China. <laughs> just, just one local guy from like the, the triple one brigades like, yeah, it's not the audience I expected, but you know, Brett's right about cornbread. And when Rob said Chew's heart attack was second only to Rajiv Tiag's, uh, I felt that. <laughs> so, spokesman for Indian National Congress, anybody? <laughs> That's a sort of Pakistan-specific comedy I'm throwing out there. That's why I'm number one. Uh, well, if we weren't before, we will be now. The guy just like, yeah, Come Town came through a month ago. It was pretty good. A lot of uh, what if Kashmir was retarded content. Which, <laughs> yeah, that's sort of my lived reality. But yeah, Stav and Nick are great. Those two. <laughs> that's the, the dumb and awful fan from Pakistan. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that one. <laughs> I wish, I wish I could do him more justice, but I'm not. I'm not going to do the the accent. Please don't. <laughs> I think that's for the best. Once I think like I, w I wish I could do foreign accents, but then it's like you know maybe that's one of those things like how I'm a big guy and I'll see those those little like sports bikes, those really like low to the ground sports bikes, and go like, oh, it's too bad I can't ride those. I can't fit on those. No, it's not, because I just go to 2.30 or until I died instantly. That would be me oh, yeah. if I could do foreign accents. <laughs> just redlining myself into oblivion. That's your thing. It's just redline or nothing. Yeah, take that, 
guys we fucked podcast you have to, you have to do better and change your gender to take over this particular chart <laughs> men are speaking now <laughs> i think it's fair to say that when these two white brooklyn guys talk about why matt tb is worse than matt iglesias we, we really do speak for the nation of pakistan <laughs> Uh, it's funny. I actually there's a dude, there's a Pakistani guy I met during my MBA. Well, there's a number, and they were all super politically engaged. So that's what I think every time I see the rating is like, oh, everyone in Pakistan is this like obsessed with politics. But the smartest person I've ever met when it comes to American politics was this Pakistani dude who was, I think, I think he he had spent his entire life obsessing over U.S. political facts. He knew everything off the top of his dome too. It was incredible to watch. So every time uh, we hung out and got a beer, I would just, we would just talk about politics and I would just be in awe of how much more he knew about my country. In fairness, if you had to choose between getting really into Pakistan's politics or the United States, somehow we're the second most depressing choice there. He also said it's way easier to understand because there's less happening in America because there's only two parties. They just recently like shut down internet service to the Kashmir region, which- <laughs> Critical support. Let's see how that one turns out first. <laughs> in, in like a month, just like super enlightened, giant brain Kashmiris are going to walk out. <laughs> this is what happens when you stop posting. <laughs> let's let's earn let's earn our, our rating through uh, deconstructing the the news topics of the day or the last five days because I've I've not been following the news at all. I've just been I took Friday off and just did absolutely nothing but sleep for an entire weekend good for you i attempted to uh i had one goal to swim in a lake really just any body of water that's and get like the sort of goal that like a, a the ceo of j crew would have listed in like <laughs> the foreword of their magazine uh, it was basically to 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 have an outdoor activity you should right? have been like uh, kneeling and prominently displaying your wristwatch when you said that <laughs> My goal for this year, swim in a lake. <laughs> uh, no, it's so sad. I, I've never I struggled this much to, to like just get basic outdoor things. But I just wanted to, I just wanted to, just for a moment to like swim because I love swimming and I haven't been able to swim in, I don't know, a fucking year plus. I just wanted to swim somewhere and get some sunshine and pretend that everything isn't terrible. And that was a far more difficult task than I thought it would be because a uh, fun story Cuomo uh, is now allowing, you know, you can do outdoor restaurants. He's reopening museums uh, and bowling alleys because those are a huge necessity. But all the state parks are hyper limited. Uh, so they a lot of them close almost immediately on opening because they reach their max capacity because their max capacity has been super limited. And everybody recognizes that outdoor activities are the only thing you can do close to the lowest possible risk of transmission, especially like outside in a park, you're not going to be sitting next to somebody like you would at like an outside restaurant. I'm, I'm just trying to pop in for a day, wander around a park, jump in a lake, right? That's it. That's all I'm shooting for. It took me four attempts to find a park, uh, partly because I hate the fucking Northeast. Everything is privately owned. Everything is privately owned. Every lake you see on the map is privately owned all the way around. If you're lucky, there's one tiny sliver. I just started, I, I want to pull my hair out because, you know, you grew up in Florida. There are infinite number of places to jump in water if you want to do that. Yeah, I wouldn't, but... You, you don't want to most of the time, but even like Colorado, didn't really have that much trouble with it. Uh, Seattle, I never had that much trouble. Vegas, there's really not that much water, basically not at all. Still, didn't really have much trouble. 
I've never lived anywhere where it's that difficult to access a public resource like a lake or a park uh, until New York. So thank you for that, Northeast. But yeah, finally, finally pulled it off. After that successful adventure to do a basic outdoor activity, every single ancestor in my lineage has been able to do casually, no problem. I came home and ate a personal pan pizza and <laughs> read the news. So I'm, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Okay. So what, what happened in news over the last week? Cause again, just sleeping, nothing, nothing to report on that front. Oh, I did have a lucid dream though. That's where like in the dream, you become conscious of the fact that you're dreaming. Yeah. I've had those in years. There's stuff you can do to, to make it happen more, you know, like if you like look at a clock and go like, okay, can I read that clock right now? Most of the time you can. Right. And if you make a habit of doing that, like once a day, you'll do that habit in your dream and go like, no, because the hands are fucking spindly or something. Right. Like, oh, damn, I'm in a dream. I don't really like go deep on techniques like that, but I, right. I did work at Publix for a while and it was my job to unload and stock just hundreds of like, you know, the Catholic candles with like the saints on them. Yeah. yeah. And this is a South Florida Publix. So there's just <laughs> a million of them. <laughs> And I would just sit there listening to like James Blunt play over the PA, just barely audible, and just for an hour, just stalk these goddamn candles. <laughs> and I'd think to myself, like, is this a dream? Is this, because it's so hypnotically stupefying yeah. doing that and just seeing these fucking icons over and over. I'm like, am I having a psychedelic experience? If I'm dreaming, please just I'll wake up now. Feels, I do feel like there's a little bit of a veil between me and reality right now. I, I wake up now, and it wouldn't happen. Uh, but I spent enough of my life stalking those candles that now sometimes I just do that in dreams automatically. Oh, God. And I, was, I, had, a, I had a lucid dream where I was at a bookstore listening to a critic deconstruct uh, aesthetic boredom through David Foster Wallace's Pale King. And I, ha <laughs> and I had a moment where I was just like, is this reality? No, no, I would never be here. <laughs> yeah, I, and I just fucking summoned up a Jay in a hammock and I went to sleep within the dream. <laughs> it's fucking sick. <laughs> Waking up in a deeper dream is Ken Watanabe telling me to be my own man. And, you know, when I woke up, I decided I was going to. <laughs> I was going to make podcasts just for me from now on, not because the deep state tells me to, because I'm a special <laughs> agent for the FBI. <laughs> So that was that was kind of my big thing over the weekend. <laughs> but what happened for the country? <laughs> oh, so many things. Uh, uh, so there was a DNC last week. We talked about it on the bonus. We're not going to discuss that further. It yeah. was intensely upsetting and depressing. And it was just the main thing I would say is for those who haven't seen it, just look at some of the still images because the the most striking thing about it uh, was not really anything they said because it was. It was a more cynical version of the Hillary campaign, uh, except everyone was older, had even worse policy ideas if they bothered to mention them at all. Uh, and it was all online, so there was a, an odd disconnect. But the only thing worth uh, checking out when it comes to the DNC is that because of the weird disconnect between all online, there was a, an inherently creepy lynching quality to the whole thing. It felt uh, as... Rob and I discussed, it felt like a, this sort of like new American Gothic vibe was created. Just ancient ghouls bloodlessly preaching about how they're going to save your soul uh, while blood red curtains sit in the backdrop 
and their incredibly pale faces are in deep shadow the whole time. It was very upsetting to watch at all levels, but especially visually. Um, Bill Clinton sitting half illuminated in a home. It's unnerving because I, <laughs> I live in a home and I don't want to picture Bill Clinton there. I don't know where I normally picture him uh, on a plane over the Caribbean mostly, but it's something unnerving about seeing the ghouls in, in a familiar place. But yeah, if, if by the time you hear this podcast, you're like, but I want more DNC content, you do deserve to pay for it, both financially and psychically. So <laughs> fuck you. We can move on. Uh, but so if if the DNC was was Lynchian, uh, the RNC so far this week feels like Verhoeven. Just Kimberly Guilfoyle screaming in rapturous joy about the American military and President Trump and how all of our enemies are about to be crushed. It's the most fascist thing I've ever fucking seen. To be fair, that one example you gave, like given no other context, if I had to put the carnival laughs that was a DNC up against whatever her name screaming that someone like if you told me you went to a party over the weekend in Brooklyn and you're like yeah um Kimberly Guilfoyle was uh screaming about the supremacy of the American military and how death is coming for all our enemies I'd be like that sounds like a fucking sick party <laughs> yeah I it is what it time is, did that happen it is an inherently more enjoyable watch Yes, it's upsetting. At every point, you're like, oh, wow, yeah, these, these fuckers are a straight-up death cult. But there is, there's a ton of energy. There's a level of actual political intent to it that's kind of surprising where it, it switches between a totally deranged-style Kimberly Guilfoyle speech to uh, one of the few black Republicans talking about how Joe Biden said, uh, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black, and hammering that point just relentlessly. And then switching from that to the younger people within the party that they want to highlight who are in the middle of campaigns. The young people thing is especially upsetting because the DNC at no point ever highlights the young people in their party, right? It was when I said it felt ancient, I wasn't joking. AOC was on for, as has been widely reported, 60 seconds to do a quick like, hey, I'm required to nominate Bernie. And then they spun that out into she's a monster trying to knife Joe Biden. They give no airtime at all in the DNC to young people or just members of their own party who are in uh, current primary battles or are in close races that they want to highlight or elevate. None of that happens at the DNC, right? It's all people who have been in power forever the whole way through. The RNC was just like one after the other after the other. Like, yeah, we're going to hit you with the usual Republican greatest hits of like some deranged blonde woman screaming about vaccines or weed being the the root of all evils and i wasn't able to get uh access to experimental drugs until president trump allowed me to sure that that's a thing you're going to see i mean it's the rnc would you fucking expect but the bit where they then cut to actual young i i'm gonna loosely use the word talent within their party to elevate them that yeah that's that is within the way they run their system a more progressive way of doing things than what the DNC does. I would say there's probably talent involved. Look, there's no meritocracy anywhere, I'm sure, but there's got to be like guys that would like to be on TV on the far right, like a literal Nazi that has the 400th most popular Nazi podcast. Who's <laughs> just like we're saying the 14 words, like we're hitting all the the major <laughs> We're hitting all the, all the major 
talking points. It's just, I don't know why it's not happening for us. <laughs> we got our man Hawkeye here to do the, the sick intro riff. We, we, we got cool bumpers. Why don't we have more listeners? <laughs> I mean, uh, but so, so RNC's happening. What, what, are, what are the Democrats doing right now? And real quickly, uh, one thing came out, which is for all that the DNC spent much of their week highlighting and platforming war criminals from the Bush administration uh, and just Republicans that they were good friends with in general, a poll came out this week uh, showing that Biden is getting less support from Republicans than Hillary or either of the two Obama terms, right? He's at 5% amongst Republicans. Hillary was at 8 Obama was at like 10 the first time and then six the second time. So we figured out exactly how brain damaged the white guy can be before the black guy and the woman start outperforming. Him. <laughs> That's what that polls given yeah. us. And I mean, like you could say, Oh, well everybody who's, who switched parties uh, has already done that. They don't identify as Republican anymore, uh, which isn't actually borne out because identification with the Republican party has gone up 1%, which Oh, 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 that's a terrible sign. That's uh, that's truly awful. Uh, or, or you could say like maybe it's just independence. That's what's happening. Is by Biden's whole spiel towards Republicans is to win over independence, which he's actually doing worse with independence than Trump is currently. So I submit to you, dear listener, that the entire pitch to Republicans does fucking nothing to help you get elected, but it does make sure a ton of Republicans get to be. Powerful when within your administration, if you get elected on the backs of liberal voters, not Republican voters. No, it's sort of their thing. It is. It is. I just I I, I did enjoy the immediate results of uh, their their desperate attempts to get Republicans. Were like, yeah, no, no one's interested. Related to that whole uh, highlighting people in tough primaries bit is Pelosi is going out of her way to fuck over Ed Markey in Massachusetts. Ed Markey, uh, for those who don't know, is a Democratic senator, pretty progressive. He was one of the original people to sign on to the Green New Deal. Relatively valuable and useful for any progressive who wants to actually see things get done. And it's Massachusetts. It's a deep blue state. They should have a pretty fucking progressive senator. If every deep red state is going to have a fucking fascist, it'd be nice if a deep blue state at least had like a left lib. Ed Markey, for all that, has largely just voted with, with wherever the caucus tells him to. Right? He's not exactly going out on the limb. What I'm trying to say is he's progressive to a point, but he's not exactly a threat to existing democratic structures. That doesn't matter because Joe Kennedy, the fucking third, fourth, whatever Habsburgian number he's got on there has decided that he's going to take on Ed Markey from the right. And it hasn't been going great. Uh, I will say Ed Markey hasn't done an amazing job running a campaign in the state on his own, but regardless, he's been doing well against Joe Kennedy uh, in spite of Kennedy's name recognition, for all that you can complain about Dems not elevating their youth, as it were, they really did let Joe Kennedy the the third give the Democratic response to the State of the Union one year. Yeah, for no reason. No reason at all. Well, I mean, other than the uh, fact that he's clearly appointed by uh, the Dem establishment, which is why they're backing him against an incumbent right now. Yeah, which makes no logical like electoral sense. You know, sometimes a DSA challenger will pop up or someone that the left supports will run in an election and you'll immediately see like the D triple C come in and throw a bunch of money to the incumbent to snuff that out. And they'll say, well, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're against primary and good party members. We don't think this is a good use of, of resources, but here, why are you against Ed Markey? Yeah. Pelosi 
explicitly endorsed Joe Kennedy uh, over the weekend. Yeah, it's like that's why there's no point in being in a Democratic Party because even if you're within the party, they just turn on you. Ed Markey, uh, this is where it's hard to get like super excited for him. Uh, immediately pulled the scent move of, of of being like, well, that's her choice, and I, I love Pelosi, and she does a great job. She's wonderful. Dude, she just fucking knifed you. The least you can do is show a little human emotion here. Just give me anything. You you can't play that game with them because it's, it's never enough. This is like exactly what they did to Bernie. Yeah. So uh, Lauren Kennedy tweeted, which... Uh, Who? I'm, I'm sorry. Look, this is... It's like, like the CIA said in 2007... When one of their Gulf streams, you know, the ones they used for regular old fashioned extrajudicial extradition went down. Yeah. Like crash in the Yucatan with tons of cocaine. It was just their official response was like, well, sometimes the wrong plane goes down. <laughs> anyway, Lauren Kennedy tweeted and uh, she saw a video of some like, you know, young Democrats or whatever uh, putting Kennedy the third like door, door hangers into a shredder. And she was like, Ed Markey, are these the sorts of actions that you condone among your followers? And it's just like, if you run for public office now, the standard is, if, if you're coming from the left at least, you need to condone the actions of every single one of your followers. They're, and they're just going to keep setting this impossible standard. Well, of course, when it benefits the establishment wing of the DNC, they're very happy to uh, have Me Too shut the fuck up for Joe Biden or look the other way on, on the Kasich human rights records. But God forbid someone with the rose emoji is tweeting about Ed Markey. We need the full weight of the Democratic apparatus to come in and shame him. Oh, yeah. And and they have started doing the exact same thing that they did to Bernie. They clearly think, like, this is a winning proposition. But they're doing this. They're doing the whole, hey, are you responsible for your supporters? Immediately after praising the Kamala VP pick because she has a legion of crazy online fans. The hypocrisy is as blatant as day. I don't think it's going to play for that much longer, but I think that I think they believe they can squeeze a little more blood from the stone and fuck over one more progressive person. If they, if they play it right. It's incredible. That it's lasted this long just because it's so like off putting away, like, like a normal person would instantly be like, what the fuck are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But it, it exists. It, thrives in this insular petri dish that is new york and dc media and governance like the liberal worldview is one that primarily concerns itself with the incremental and progressive smoothing out of the american electorate's brain and behavior so much that you can finally run a classroom <laughs> like that just seems to be the vibe it's why the deepest liberals and by the way only the deepest most captured liberals loved warren so much she appealed to people who in an earlier age would see like their AP English teacher uh, out at a Barnes and Noble on Saturday and go up and ask for a selfie because like it's fucking flipping epic how cool our teacher is. <laughs> That's also why at the DNC when they gave Warren a speaking spot, a speaking slot, she immediately put herself in a fake classroom. It's always uncomfortable, but especially when somebody who's held political office for a while keeps saying my dream was to be a teacher. Nothing stopping you, lady. Go forth. It's like a political mindset of like, if we could just get this classroom to start behaving, that we could finally get these kids what they need, you know? As opposed to like actually doing your job to the best of your ability and earning respect by something other than just existing fecklessly in your professional position. Yeah. Like Democrats really, they just do what Republicans do, which is miniaturize the scale of their evil. 
So like Republicans have always had the, well, you know, uh, when you're the, the largest economy in world history and a currency issuer, uh, you know, managing your checkbooks, sort of like managing that economy, which is like, obviously, no, it isn't. No, Absolutely no, not. Also, no one even knows what you're talking about. No one flips over their checkbook at the register at the cashier to do some quick subtraction. It's just a <laughs> stupid thing that they say to allow them to subsidize evil better. And Dems just do the same thing. They just start earlier. They, they go with, well, you know, campaigns should be these neat, well-behaved affairs between just equals who respect each other but never go beyond the venom of, say, a disagreement between characters on Gilmore Girls. And it's like... <laughs> Any normal person would go, what the fuck are you talking about? But somebody has to win, right? And it's like, at the end of the day, this shouldn't affect you that much. You should be able to be reasonable about this. <laughs> that is extremely evil when the this is voter suppression, gerrymandering, the health, the private healthcare industry just turning blood into stock valuation, yeah. border camps, drone strikes abroad, extrajudicially against American citizens endless sometimes wars. if you want to differentiate humans in that way. Endless war. Yeah. It's both extremely stupid, but the, the, the DNC thing just drives me insane because it's so transparent what they're doing. They deploy it with absolutely no artifice at all. And the only person in the world basically who seems persuaded by it is Chuck Todd and God forgive <laughs> us. He somehow has a position of prominence in the media. <laughs> tastemaker because maybe god is dead <laughs> uh they only persuade chuck todd and then other people who stand to personally financially gain from it or just all the people on tv so i guess just an endless parade of uh marky's a bad guy be because he said he wouldn't kiss joe kennedy on the lips yeah the, the republicans spend every cycle moving to the right and calling their opponents communists in order to gin up enthusiasm yeah, with doing their base. politics the democrats spend every election moving to the right and calling their own base communists in order to depress their base. Great going, guys. They're just projecting a, a sublimated urge to not have to do politics and just be a pure professional. That's what they want. They just want to have banter around the water cooler and the conference room table of the country. The getting back to brunch thing, which is why running a campaign with any sort of real vigor is so off-putting to them. <laughs> They already have the solution. It's the morally correct one. And honestly, it'd be better if we didn't have to think about this in the first place. So what the fuck are you on about, you rude man? <laughs> they love that shit. I just can't. It, it better not work on Marky. This has to be on its way out. We'll see. I, I mean, again, I don't think Marky's run a particularly good campaign. So if he loses, that is partially his fault. Like he has, he has ignored people from other campaigns who try to volunteer to help him. Like they reached out to his campaign and he hasn't responded. So he hasn't been particularly capable at the whole running a campaign bit. He's a significantly better politician than Joe Kennedy. The thing that supposedly pushed Pelosi over the edge, what she claims at least, was the fact that a marquee ad flipped the old Kennedy uh, line on its head. The old Kennedy line being, uh, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. He flipped it and he said, maybe it's time to start asking what your country can do for you. Yeah, that's a good fucking thing to say as a progressive. Agreed. What is your country doing for you besides just robbing you blind and murdering you? Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. And uh, yeah, that's basically what she said. Well, we can't drag the Kennedy name through the mud like this. I, I didn't like that. I didn't like the way he's attacking Kennedy's. Uh, I don't know if you saw the DNC 
last week, but one of my close personal friends spoke there, the former director of national intelligence, and <laughs> he thinks it's too soon for you to be bringing up Kennedy and to respect his period, <laughs> respect his mourning period. I've enjoyed... Uh... On the right, like a typical campaign is just two people fighting over whether you should call the Democrat... Uh, a, a gay globalist or a bisexual globalist. <laughs> they had, by the way, the RNC already had uh, a old Cuban Kulak crying about Fidel Castro on, which just, mwah. it's fun to watch the RNC purely from the perspective of like how much Florida politics in the, is in this. And the answer is a fuckload. Yeah, all of you live in our country. It's incredible. Florida over the last 30 years has taken up so much real estate in this country's collective unconscious that we have manifested the state across the entirety of the U.S. borders. <laughs> Everything is Florida now. <laughs> Even within the mind, you are in Florida. If the DNC is dealing with the upper management at the woke job you work at, where they see you and they hear you, but also you're fired if you don't go help ICE on this contract... The RNC, for me, is like interacting with my family again. It's familiar in a way that is unsettling. Uh, and having Matt Gates start it off and then having an old Cuban guy cry about Fidel Castro and how uh, Joe Biden is going to turn this whole country into a socialist utopia, God, I wish, really brings it back. The only Democrat who had the correct line on Castro was Bill de Blasio. <laughs> <laughs> when he accidentally did the... Uh, yeah, he accidentally did a good politics and was funny at the same time. That was amazing. Yeah, yeah, he was in uh, way back when he thought he was going to run for president, which was hilarious in and of itself. He was in Miami and he accidentally quoted Shay. He said, hasta la victoria siempre. Get him, Bill. Uh, which translates to ever on to victory. So, yeah, he, he unintentionally quoted Shay Guevara to a bunch of Miami cool hawks and it ruled. Uh, this is the best thing he's ever done. <laughs> and he, of course, apologized the next day because he's a sad, pathetic clown of a man. But yeah, so Ed Markey is fighting with Joe Kennedy and uh, Joe Kennedy's wife is crying about people being mean to her online. So if you feel the need to get online and yell at multiple generation Harvard grad, they're available for you. Honestly, just look for a blue check. <laughs> it's, you're going to have some false positives, but not as many as you'd like. Yeah. Yeah, but I, okay, so I knew about the Ed Markey thing. Give me new news to react to. Uh, hot off the press here. Uh, in Pennsylvania, they're talking about legalizing weed. The governor has just said he wants to legalize weed to help deal with all the massive budget shortfalls. The thing that I've mentioned multiple times would work and is the obvious play here. If you're in the Northeast, you know you're going to have to legalize just because of the pressure from surrounding states sometime in the next three years. Do it now. Reap the tax benefits. And also, getting all the people in your state to not fucking hate you quite as much. Because right now, uh, every regular person hates every politician that operates in their state at any level. Because we're all suffering and you fuckers haven't done anything. Legal weed is a nice way to do the bare minimum here. It makes me wonder if if we'll get the Trump thing where he finally... Declares the crusades. <laughs> Finally deschedules marijuana to fuck over Joe Biden. Like sometime mid-October, early October, he's like, fucking, I don't have it. Deschedule weed. I'm going to win this shit. This is something that, uh, uh, shout out to the late Michael Brooks, uh, disagreed with us on. He didn't really think it would move the needle, but we in this household are firm, are firm believers 
look, it, it may not be a number one issue to a lot of people, but it does a lot of things if Trump legalizes weed, like in October. Yes. I think, I think Brooks was right uh, that it, it wouldn't swing the needle a ton, but I think the election is going to be relatively close in important states regardless, and that might be enough. And especially if they're talking about Republicans who have left or have decided that maybe I'm not going to vote this time, or just libertarians, those, especially on the younger generation, yeah, that will get them energized almost immediately. And the rest of the base will just eat it up and say like, oh, fuck's over Joe Biden, because Biden is explicitly anti-marijuana. He, he wrote the crime bill. Uh, also uh, pushed that bankruptcy bill that makes your student loans non-dischargeable. So this could be a thing where he hangs out weed legalization, which Biden is very much against, or like the moratorium on student loan interest collections or whatever. He hangs these things out knowing that Biden actually has a more reactionary position on them. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and then you have Kamala who fought weed legalization when she was in California. She famously laughed when someone asked her uh, if, she sh if she supported it during one of her campaigns in the state. Uh, she had a Republican opponent who was to her left on weed legalization. That, that's the VP. Oh, then th she she went on the radio show and claimed she smoked weed at one point too, which it was unbelievable because uh, when she was in charge of San Francisco, they they locked up African Americans for marijuana at a greater rate than anybody else in the state. It's a stretch to to believe that at all outside of the K hive uh, and the the deep deep libs who are going to vote for them regardless. But the rest of the Trump base will eat up the the marijuana descheduling. If he just says, yeah, it, it's fucking over Biden, they'll be like, oh, great. Uh, we love to own the libs. And plus, you can pitch it as states' rights. Well, I think the state should decide. It's a, look, it's a public safety thing. We got too many of our brave, some of the bravest first responders and police wasting their time going after, you know, it's like a little uh, this and that. It's, it's not right. We need them solving murders. We need them fighting Antifa. Like that, you could do a public safety pitch. The war on drugs... Uh, so losing war. He's definitely going to roll out something interesting come late September to win over uh, anybody wavering. It has to be something that actually big like that, though, because like nobody gives a fuck about like, didn't he say that, like, hey, I I'm fast tracking a potential vaccine the other day and people are like, yeah, shut the fuck up. Yeah, I mean, he's going to claim he's 100 percent going to find a company to claim that they have a vaccine right beforehand that I've always believed. He's going to claim he has a vaccine right before the election with Pfizer or whoever, whoever wants their stock pumped up enough so that they can pump it up and sell it immediately. He's going to do that. Uh, try to ride that and say like, it'll be available in two months to everybody ride that to the win. But if he can throw another policy thing out there too, I think he will. Yeah. I think it needs to be like a big policy thing. There's just so much noise. It would have to be like, Holy shit. That would do it. That would be one. I, I would say his pitch that the cops had better things to do right now would work because there are more riots. That's one of the other big things happening right now. Far more intense ones, too. Wisconsin's going nuts. This is going to be a sad story, isn't it? Uh, I mean, yes. So last week, All right. near the end of the week, uh, cops in Kenosha, Wisconsin, shot a black man, Jacob Blake, seven times in the back. There's video. It's very clear they're just basically executing this dude. They're not even there to interact with him. He just happened to be a black man nearby when they were on a call to deal with two women having a fight. And the cop, for some reason, decided to hone in on the black guy, uh, didn't do anything to impede him or stop his movement other than yell at him and go for his gun and shoot the guy seven times. Jacob is somehow magically still alive, might be permanently paralyzed. And Kenosha has just gone off. 
they have had riots three or four straight nights now. Once we get this out, I don't know if we're at four or five straight. So they burnt down a local car dealership. They burnt down the probation office, which Wisconsin probation, for those who don't know, is one of the more debilitating probations in the country. They actually track you throughout the state. Uh, you have to have almost like an internal visa to maneuver around the state if you're on probation. You also have to pay constant fees. So there's a tax on you for being on probation. So them burning down the probation office is objectively good. I always thought that was like a real pimp move. Like down in Colombia, if the government was building a case against you, you just like run into the, the hall of records and set it all <laughs> on fire and be like, okay, good luck with your proceduralism and bail. Yeah, there's going to be a bunch of people who straight up are no longer on probation because that was the only copy of their records. The cops haven't been able to control things at all. I would say they made the mistake of going super hard and violent against the protests at the start. So the minute the protesters showed up, especially on the second or third night, um, instead of doing the Portland thing where like they just let themselves sit there to be a target for protests, they, they responded so aggressively with the rubber bullets and gas, the instant protesters showed up that it just dispersed everybody through the entire city, which means now you have no control over the situation. You do not have enough people to deal with a, a mass number of humans doing damage to property or violence throughout the city. Like you can't do a fucking thing about it. And they couldn't. So they ran away. Not to say that the cops got off scot-free. There's a video floating uh, where a cop just gets straight up wrecked by a brick flying through the air and hitting him in the head. Uh, so they burned things down. A few cops have been injured. Where is Kenosha? I could not. Uh, it's not far from Milwaukee. I could not point to fucking Kenosha. Kenosha is Kenosha or Milwaukee. Oh, Kenosha on a map. Kenosha is a distant um, exurb of Chicago. It's right over the border. This new game I just invented. It's called Out of Touch because elitist Brooklyn media dipshit, or <laughs> Florida public school no geometry geography. See, I don't even know which one it is. <laughs> Why, why don't I know where Kenosha or Milwaukee are? You tell me, buddy. <laughs> you, you tell me, and I'll send you a free Trotsky has a big dick shirt, which is a real <laughs> thing sold on our store. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, so it's, uh, Kenosha's not far from Chicago, but it's Wisconsin has a long history of racist police and racist policies pretty much across the board. Uh, the black population in Wisconsin um, is heavily segregated. I, I believe Milwaukee is considered one of the most segregated cities in the country. There have been a, a number of police killings. Every time the, the politicians trot out and they say, give us time, we'll investigate, we'll hold people to account, and it never happens. And I think you're seeing the end result of that. You're seeing the end result of repeatedly no other option for change being afforded to the people. They've tried it. They've They've voted. They've replaced politician after politician. They've waited. They've listened to you. They've believed you. They've marched in the streets peacefully. Nothing gets done. So now they're doing what Chicago did recently too when, when the Chicago police shot a black guy. They're saying, fine, every time you shoot one of us, we're going to pick a few buildings to burn down and we're going to, and maybe that will finally speak to you in a way that you can understand. And I think what we're transitioning into is a recognition uh, among a lot of people that the only language the elites will understand is a language of violence and that's the way these protests and riots are going to go from now on. And quite frankly, I don't think they're wrong. You have afforded people no other options. Uh, I would say be thankful they're largely directing their rage at property. God, you sound like some sort of angry, uh, doing it wrong, uh, 
bigot like Martin Luther King. <laughs> but yeah, it's the sort it's, of person that would say that despicable nonsense. <laughs> I wouldn't have picked Wisconsin to be the state that really leaned hard into the riots, but good for them. I hope they actually get some shit done. I hope I hope finally any politicians at any level will do the fucking thing people keep asking for. Also, again, it has to be said, all the cops have to do is not kill people for like five months to get things to die down. And they can't do that. They cannot fucking do that. Yeah, well, these are Lutheran cops. So <laughs> think of like a normal cop. And not make them Lutheran. You should not. It shouldn't be legal to be Lutheran in America. <laughs> That's actually something that Austria had right. Nip that shit in the bud. Semi-related to this, by the way, was this this story actually like blew my mind. This is getting this is one of those things that like you only find out about because of new media stuff that like will never ever get coverage uh outside of some weird digital environment. Um, a thing that will never play on MSNBC. And that is Portsmouth, Virginia has a low-grade coup from the police just destroying every powerful politician and especially every powerful black leader in the community that they can. Is this like the sort of coup where, because in 2020, I, I can't tell if this is the sort of thing where when you say uh, destroying, it's just like, oh, there's actual like violent actions. Or when you say coup, it's like when you come back with too much energy and you're like, I told the barista to look under the counter and he did find the extra soy milk. <laughs> well, you can be the judge. I'll, I'll lay it out for you and you tell me which one it is. So Portsmouth, Virginia, uh, it's Virginia. Virginia in general is one of the most deeply racist and Confederate loving states in the union. It's always been that way. It shouldn't be a surprise that stuff popped up in Sh Charlottesville. It is the state where there are a ton of Robert E. Lee statues because that's where he's from originally. And a lot of people who feel strongly that they need to defend them. You know what the Confederacy did do, right? Their anthem. <laughs> it's like uh, the... It's a bop. Like... The Soviet anthem is good as hell because it's not just a military march. Like there, there's yeah. like a Russian folk tradition. It Some, is really good. It's musically dynamic. United States anthem and then Dixie. Come on. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. The other thing they did right was everything post-war to keep their ideology alive. They somehow managed a reverse takeover of the U.S. It's like for the same people that today say like, you know, the Cold War never ended. Those exact same people believe the Civil War hasn't quite ended. And actually, <laughs> they might be right. There's uh, more all, and more evidence that they might be on the right page on that one. Yeah. It's almost like the Confederacy did revolution and we're like, all right, fine, then reform. And then it worked. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, but so, yeah, Portsmouth. Uh, it had a Confederate monument like every city in Virginia does. And the Confederate monument was placed over a, uh, what used to be a whipping post for slaves. That's where the Confederate monument was. It's horrifying. And uh, when the George Floyd uh, nationwide protest kicked off, Fort Smith followed. And they had protests at the Confederate monument. Um, they put sheets over the monument that were removed. So then they came back the next day, uh, went to go put stuff back over the monument. And uh, the police arrested two of the NAACP leaders who were there uh, and claimed that they were trespassing, even though it was public property. This kept escalating, and it got to the point where the protesters, uh, while the cops watched, threw paint on the monument, 
uh, eventually decapitated most of the Confederates in the monument and then toppled the whole thing. One of the heads on the Confederate monument came off and I guess injured a bystander as well. So that was the thing that occurred. But so the Confederate monument went down. The police looked into investigating anybody. Again, they were standing there while this all happened. Everybody was there. Nothing, nothing occurred. Everybody went like, okay, well, the monument's down. That's just that. We're moving along now, right? And then like 25 days later, the city police filed charges against 15 people. Felony charges. On that list was pretty much all of the public defenders, a local black state senator, uh, and a few leaders of the NAACP. Uh, pretty much every person of color in a position of power who supported taking down the monument, they arrested. A few people called and had been calling for the police to be defunded or at least have a bunch of funding taken away, as we've seen elsewhere, right? They also called on the chief of police to step down. That resulted, because people got very angry and Virginia has really fucking weird laws, that resulted in a citizen's arrest of the vice mayor, who is also black. Citizens arresting the vice mayor of your town is one of the coolest things you can do. <laughs> uh, because there's some obscure law about interfering with government positions within the city, something like that. And because it's a commonwealth, there is actually the ability for citizens to bring charges against pretty much anyone they want. They just need a judge to sign off on it. And judges in the South tend to be pretty cool with that. All of this, if it sounds like it's spawned from Facebook, it was. This is all a Facebook scheme that someone hatched that was successful because every step on the ladder of power, people agreed because it was screwing over more powerful black people, in this case, powerful black women. Uh, so now we're at the point where basically all of these people are facing charges and might go to prison or at the very least just uh, have their lives and power positions destroyed by the cops in order to protect what seems to be a combination of Confederate monuments and their own money. And here's a fun twist at the end. Uh, the chief of police is also a black woman. That's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it just feels like we're in the, this like Weimar period. We definitely are. Between when Germany took an L and then Germany was like, I'm still pretty mad about that L. <laughs> Only again, they've they've just reformed their way into a new confederacy. Yeah. I can't wait for the new batch of like confederate technocrats that are against taking down the statues, but only because they're mad at the waste at having to put them right back up again. <laughs> <laughs> Once we've revalorized these people. But yeah, I don't know if you'd call that a coup necessarily. I would, but essentially people the are gonna be playing Bioshock Infinite with a very different takeaway in like twenty years. <laughs> Yes, yes, they are. This is uh, like a memento. It goes backwards or something. <laughs> anyway, back to sucking one of Jeff Bezos' 10,000 artificially created cocks. <laughs> but yeah, that's one that probably should get a little more coverage because everything about it is alarming. The cops shouldn't have the ability to just start arresting people uh, on the basis of this person criticized my position and or my budget. All this is like feels new, but they did just like, Merck Fred Hampton. Yeah. <laughs> and blackmail MLK. Really what you're discovering is that like 30 years where the Dems kept claiming racism was almost solved was totally fucking horseshit. To go back to something earlier, it, it's why Democrats appeals to like culture. And once we've got all that down, then we can finally start doing some actual on the ground affects you materially sort of policy. Yeah. Because America is like 
deeply fucking racist. And I don't think yeah. you can schoolmarm us into just knocking it off so that class can continue. Yeah, the the idea they've been pushing, the professional class have been pushing for so long about like we need to address the unconscious bias, right? Or the implicit bias that that creates racism. It's like maybe we should deal with the explicit bias first. Like I'm sure the implicit bias is important, especially for wealthy black families getting denied a high-end loan in a neighborhood. But the explicit bias where literally no poor black person can get housing outside of a specific neighborhood seems far more important. Yeah, maybe like the literal red lines before the cognitive red lines yeah, within all just of us. Like, uh, it, it's very much a like hiding the ball once again, like the DNC loves to do. Like that's implicit bias is a problem, yes, but like uh, the idea that we're going to solve racism in the police with implicit bias trainings a thing kamala has, has literally run on previously no it, that that's explicit racism it's as blatant as possible uh that's probably something we should address before we start working our way to the implicit stuff speaking of explicit racism and stark red lines uh the Kashmir region belongs to pakistan <laughs> uh, uh, no as you say so uh you mentioned uh it feels like we're in a weimar era Speaking of, let's talk about the stock market real fast. Because for those who don't know, uh, Weimar Germany was infamous for having hyperinflation, which caused their currency to devalue so much that there were stories about people pushing wheelbarrows full of money into the store to buy like a single loaf of bread. Sort of wonder about that guy. Like the guy with the wheelbarrow of money. Yeah. Like who's taking that? <laughs> like where is he going with all that money? It's like Ben Shapiro where he's like, well, I'll tell you what, when uh, global warming has a sea level rise and if you're coastal, just sell your houses. Problem solved. It's like, yeah, but sell them to who, Ben? <laughs> who is the shopkeeper that has like a loaf of bread and he sees this guy walk in with a wheelbarrow of cash and goes like, all right, I know this currency is basically worthless, but you've found my breaking point. Yes, the wheelbarrow <laughs> for one. I mean, who the fuck knows, right? If something turns around, maybe dump Weimar the cash and leave the wheelbarrow, and you got a deal. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> okay, now I'm convinced. Now you've come with something to really trade. Like he's tried every amount up to that, and just went fuck it. The wheelbarrow is going to move the needle, and presumably it did, or we wouldn't see so many people doing that in, in uh, Weimar Germany, or I'm led to believe Venezuela. Zimbabwe had that problem for a while too, hyperinflation. Uh, hyperinflation is actually the thing that the Fed, the private bank, this is not public, this is not an actual government agency, but the, the private bank that controls our money supply is most concerned with. Inflation is always the thing they're, worried is, they're most worried about. Thank God we had our secret weapon, Jimmy Carter, and now inflation is solved. <laughs> now our economy is good as hell for everyone. Uh, it's funny that that's their main concern because this time around, because everybody was at home and nobody was spending, they were terrified of deflation, uh, which is when the value of the dollar... It's when you do inflation in Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> this is fucking awful. Like I said about accents, I'm just going to redline it into the curb. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, it's, it's the opposite of inflation. So uh, $1 buys way more... Uh, which, very Dan Aykroyd in trading places. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, which which would mean that uh, your debt is worth a lot more money than it was before the deflation hit. But yeah, so interestingly, the Fed has actually done stuff to make more inflation. Um, I'm going to get some economic stuff. I'll try to keep it as jargon-free as possible here. 
um, and just hit the high notes. One, if you actually listen to someone just hit the high notes, wouldn't that just be a woman screaming on stage, <laughs> like just intermittently shrieking? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all. Why is that a saying? Uh, high notes emotionally. That would be a shit story. <laughs> Which is like chapter one. Yeah, the father died. You don't know him. <laughs> you spend no time with them. Oh, now now the daughter died. <laughs> yeah, that's shit. That saying sucks. Sorry, what what's going on with hyperinflation? Uh, but yeah, there's a few measures of uh, what's called the money supply. They all get super technical, but the basic concept is how much cash is there right now in the system. The reason I bring that up is because right now it is at a peak never before seen, which means someone is pumping a fuckload of money into the system. It's clearly not coming to us. So where's it going? Yes. Now my hypomanic phase is listening. <laughs> we'll represent each million with one thumbtack. I'm putting it into the cork board here. <laughs> I'll continue doing this as you speak. It's also a good indicator for inflation or uh, the hyperinflation. And it peaking and skyrocketing over the last four or five months is not a good thing. A better indicator for that inflation might be red twine. <laughs> which I've now expanded upwards at a steep slope. But so where it's all going is to the stock market, is to rich people and keeping the stock market afloat. Yeah, sex is cool and all, but have you ever tried dividends? <laughs> Actually, I bet there are just people that unironically believe that. Yes, I've yeah. seen something similar oh, to that fuck. for it. But yeah, so it's all going to the stock market, and the stock market, if you didn't know, has actually reached a high above what it was at before corona hit. And if you say, well, how the fuck is that possible? Uh, the money supply. The Fed is printing nonstop dollars and shoveling them into the hands of the wealthy in the stock market to keep it afloat. Just like happens with you when you go to the grocery store and turns out, you know, you're a little short and you have to take a penny from the, the little penny jar. That's basically the same thing as unrelenting quantitative easing. Exactly. Uh, there's an indicator that says like, well, Stock market compared to the GDP, right? And the GDP just did terribly. The thing that actually shows you like how much stuff is being produced in the economy uh, versus the stock market, which which is just fake gambling. Uh, and the indicator- It's real gambling. Yeah, it's, I'm sorry. It's real gambling. A lot of retirements are going to explode. It's a game of incomplete information. And there are definitely casino games where you have more of an edge and more information available. Absolutely. Uh, but so there's an indicator that shows like how much stock market is worth compared to the GDP. And right now it's at almost double. The stock market is nearly double in total value what the GDP indicates, which means it's incredibly overvalued. Let me simplify that further. It's about to pop. It's a huge bubble. It's 100% going to burst sometime in the next four or five months. It could literally be tomorrow. Any day now, from now through mid-November, it could pop. My bet is they're trying to keep it afloat until right after the election. And then no matter who wins, the, the stock market is going to crater through the floor. I'm going to short mortgage-backed securities. <laughs> That's my investment firm. It's just, what did they do in the big short? Let's <laughs> just do that again. You could actually do that and make money, yes. I'm financial genius. <laughs> uh, Hold on. hit Rewind that bit again. Uh, the Jenga bit. I think this is important. <laughs> Uh, let me give you like a specific example though, so you can see what I'm talking about. Talk about Tesla. Because what's happened is 
all of the money has moved into tech stocks, right? That's what's keeping everything afloat right now is tech is, is doing incredibly, insanely well. Tech stocks are a third of the total stock market right now in value. While delivering no discernible product. Nothing at all. That's why they're the best. <laughs> you understand how genius you have to be to pull something like that off? <laughs> That's why every Ivy League person says, fuck you, Wall Street, and goes to Silicon Valley now. That is true. That you is can't the thing just get random dumbasses together and expect it to make fucking billions of dollars evaporate into the ether. <laughs> you need Peter Thiel for that. Uh, tech stocks are up something like 30%, and everything else is just hasn't moved, more or less. It's at like 1% movement, uh, which means that the minute people stop paying attention to tech stocks or those, I don't know, stop skyrocketing, everything goes under. Right, the whole stock market comes down. But Tesla, for reasons that are unknown to everyone, is considered a tech stock. Nobody knows why. They make cars. Cars are not tech. Almost certainly you could open a presentation at like the top floor of Goldman Sachs with a binder that just says from Epic Bacon to Elon Musk <laughs> evaluation, and you wouldn't be thrown out of the room. No. They would be like, oh yeah, no, this will be interesting. Tesla stock, one individual share is worth $2,000 right now. A little over $2,000. Damn, that's Bitcoin money. Incredibly deranged. There's no reason it should be worth that much. Their stock is so inflated that the entire U.S. economy could fall apart if Elon Musk goes on Rogan and smokes weed again. <laughs> yeah, let's... let's. That's an incredible foundation for our democracy. Here's how, here's how inflated they are. Not their current number, because they're a little above 2,000, but I, I, I did the math um, a few days ago when I thought they had finally stopped going up, and they were valued at more than GM, Ford, and Honda combined. That's how much the stock market thinks Tesla as a company is worth. More than GM, Ford, and Honda combined. While Tesla has, at their absolute best, produced 375,000 cars in a single year, uh, which represents 0.01% of what those other car makers every, make every year. Somehow worth more than all of them combined. Wall Street really is just like old, dumb idiots and insider trading, and that's it. Yes. Most of the equity of the market is owned by a handful of giant institutional. Yeah, they actually just did this. It's 90% uh, of the market is owned by... Um, people or organizations with more than a million dollars plus in capital. So yeah. only only for the rich. Yeah, the 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 people watching Mad Money and Jim Cramer are really just like the absolute fish that sits down at the poker table. Yes. Like it, it's nice you always want them in there, but if you want to profit, you really do have to beat the other people, which seems easy if you're not going up against insider trading because it's just the trends that the market go through are indistinguishable from like the Google trend line of a 65 plus year old white man's search history. <laughs> yes. Oh, you could put a drop of blood in this machine and Henry Kissinger says it, that you could get a, a full test at, at the Walgreens. Okay. You got a turtleneck. Here's $40 billion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's um. Peter Thiel here says that his new security firm will uh, stop Eastern European uh, cocaine dads from calling him gay online. All right, here you go. <laughs> $80 billion <laughs> and a lawsuit from Hulk Hogan. Yeah. 
the problem you run into with the stock market, obviously none of us have enough money to be on the stock market. Not that you really need that much to get into it. It's just, it's straight gambling. And I'd rather uh, wager my money at poker if I'm going to fucking be gambling. I mean, I'm involved a little bit uh, just from, you know. Your union? From having to dispense a portion of the black budget. But like, it's not my money. So I don't really <laughs> like feel the loss and gain at all. I don't really get any, anything visceral from uh, it. Uh-huh. The problem with stock market, uh, besides it just existing, is twofold. One, the media at large will not talk about an economic recession or depression until the stock market goes down. There's a reason why they're being very cavalier and talking about a quick recovery. And, oh, my God, can you believe that the unemployment numbers were worse again this week? Because for them, it's not real until it affects their fucking portfolio. Well, also just on the media side, uh, all your programs are just vessels to contain advertisement for companies that are for profit. So it's a bit of a bummer of an ad buy if in between your company's ad showing, it's the news going like, holy shit, we're economically so fucked. That's true. But they won't talk about it at all until it affects rich people. So that's one part of it. The second part of it that's a huge problem is the 10% who aren't rich people are your fucking retirement, if you have any, which I know I don't, but it is, is the few people who have retirement savings, the people who have union money in the retirement savings, the individual investors, the people who are on uh, Robinhood, which is just a massive trap to rob you. All of those people will be left holding the bag because the rich investors will always get out first. You will always be the person left with all the losses, right? They did the exact same thing in 08. The banks knew it was happening, especially Goldman Sachs. Uh, and they intentionally foisted off the heaviest losses on their clients, especially the lower end clients. And that is exactly what's going to happen again. Stock market's going to crash, but not until after they think they've squeezed all the value they can out of it and convinced enough of you rubes to put your money in there as well. That's when it'll go under. Could be tomorrow, could be a month from now, but somewhere between now and December, it's going under. Uh, and a whole lot of people are going to lose what little bit of savings they have. It'll hurt the people that needed that money the most. Yes, as it always does. On the Tesla side, yeah, those those people probably need to learn some lessons. That's okay. If you own Tesla stock, <laughs> just saying, explain yourself. <laughs> last thing I've got for you. Uh, so we, we talked about the Postal Service last weekend um, and how they got into this position. The Dems at the end of the DNC called the House back in a session. Um, the Senate came back to session too briefly. Uh, the Senate held hearings where they where they grilled DeJoy, the current postmaster general, the guy who's exacerbating the problems that already exist. And then the House grilled him much more aggressively. They also passed a bill intended to give a one-time pot of money to the Postal, Postal Service to get them over their current funding issues uh, and roll back any anything that's been implemented over the last few months. Here's the problem. One, the House came back and passed a bill to save the Postal Service, and it's all stopgap. So they didn't solve any of those underlying issues. They didn't roll back that 2006 law. This was the time to do it. The pre-funding law that got post service here in the first place. They didn't do any of that. Two, they know it's not going anywhere, right? They, it is a bill destined to die. McConnell's already said like, yeah, there's no fucking way. And if you are going to come back from vacation to pass a useless, to pass a bill that's dead on arrival, you could at least pass the best possible version of it that actually saves the postal service. And... 
while you're at it, maybe you could pass a dead on arrival stimulus so people can see you give a fuck about them. That would also be very cool. We've already seen they have some amount of tolerance for showing up for a dead on arrival bill, having all just sat through Bill Clinton's DNC speech. <laughs> I like that one. The charisma <laughs> is gone, Bill. It really is. The heart valve took all of it. A little more adrenochrome next time, bud. <laughs> I know Hillary's out of a job, but is your mitochondria? <laughs> it's hard to get excited about the hearings because uh, for those who haven't watched Senate or House hearings before, it has been probably decades since the House or the Senate has followed up any of their hearings with actual criminal charges or aggressive bills that shut things down. They don't do that anymore. It is pure political theater at this point. They bring people in so that they can all get their talking points. Uh, they can get a nice uh, video clip for TV so they can show their constituency that they care. These days, if you can get something that trends on Twitter, that would be great too. It's governing-ing. It's acting <laughs> out the act of governing on TV though. Rachel Maddow has to pull B-roll from somewhere and it's just easier if your campaign is providing the, the most dynamic clips of you ranting about some shit in a house committee. They don't seem to have an actual plan for what they're going to do. If the bill you passed to fix, to fix the postal service isn't going anywhere, if you're not going to charge DeJoy with any criminal things that'll get him thrown in jail soon, then what exactly are you fixing before the election? What, like, what are you going to change Democrats? What are you going to do to change things? More wordplay, and it's going to work this time, <laughs> which is damning because like it's never worked before. No, imagine like four years in, GOP ghouls are suddenly like, "Damn, you see what Kirsten Gillibrand said on Twitter," and they just have to walk it all back. <laughs> just like, what's the? There's no plan. But yeah, I would say thus far, before you get excited about uh, all the sound and the fury coming from the the House Dems about how they're going to fix the Postal Service, nothing they've done has had an effect yet because none of it has actually been seen all the way through. They postured, they passed a stopgap bill that's not going anywhere. And they've, they've had some mean questions and sick owns of the guy who's currently ruining the post office. That doesn't change the situation on the ground. Are you going to take it to court? Even though, you know, the Supreme court is already stacked with Republicans as is every federal court. That's what, that's what plays well with the liberal base though. Something that doesn't change anything on the ground, but makes for a good bit of political theater where you can insert yourself into whatever protagonist you feel like has similar prestige television views. <laughs> yes. It's just another, another data point. If, if you have listened to the Dems and, and when they said like, Oh my God, this might actually destroy our election and, and the, the transparency and, and it'll ruin democracy. Okay. Well, if that's the situation, then what are you going to meaningfully do to fix it? And thus far, the answer is fuck all. So we'll see, maybe they bring criminal charges, but again, if, as you joked in your own hearings, Trump is just going to give him a pardon. That's not particularly useful. Is it? If you are telling me that he's a true fascist who's going to take over the country what is your game plan if he actually uses all the levers of power at his disposal at his disposal? Because so far you are doing the same theater and bullshit you normally do. And that doesn't work in regular times. So I'm not exactly sure how that's supposed to work now when there's a fascist in charge, but probably the time to figure that the fuck out. Anyway, just thought you'd want a happy update on the postal service. And for an update, uh, on where I will be, I just do some dates real quick. 
October 31st, uh, Larkana, uh, November 2nd, Multan, November 3rd, <laughs> Hyderabad. That's the election uh, election night live show. If you're in Hyderabad, population 1.7 million. Make sure to check it out. Uh, Abbottabad, <laughs> clearly, Kohat, Kenawal, Turbot, already mentioned. Come out, have a good time. Uh, don't upset the tribal elders because they are the only ones that India has not shut off the internet for. <laughs> so their reviews are very powerful. Uh, yeah, uh, come check us out. We will be touring as uh, Pakistan's original kings of comedy. So that's, that's <laughs> me and Brett. Uh, obviously Cedric the Entertainer and DL, <laughs> DL Hughley, Steve Harvey, and uh, uh, Bernie Mac's cousin. <laughs> Which, you know, some people say, no, Bernie Mac did not nominate a successor uh, to continue leading his act. But, you know, over there it's his cousin. So we're, we respect that <laughs> and check us out. I promise DL won't get too much. Yeah. <laughs> uh Thanks for listening, y'all. This has been Brett Real Less Board, Rob at Dumb and Awful. The show account is at Dumb Awful Show. We have a Patreon. We have a Patreon with bonus episodes. You can get the whole back catalog. Um, we just did one this week on the DNC. If you want the just instant horrified reactions to that. Uh, and I'm going to have a cooking video out sometime in the next two weeks. Uh, if you want to come chat and bullshit with us, come to the Discord. Uh, we've had people recently show up and be like, I had no idea this was a thing. I've been listening for the last year. There's a Discord. There's a there's a link in the show notes. You should come join. If nothing else, the community is wonderful. There's nothing to do with me and Rob. They're just wonderful people. You're going to at least have pleasant people who are also on the left to interact with who see the same horrifying things you do and are also concerned. Also, Mark's Madness shares our Discord with us, so there's plenty of approachable theory chat that I don't engage with, and neither does Rob because... Yeah, uh, no. Uh, but for those who want it, that also exists. Thanks for listening, y'all. And remember, short Tesla stock. You know, I say that, but he, there's actual, like, I'm going to call them conspiracy theories, but they seem vaguely true that, that Elon Musk comes after people who get big on Twitter, who talk shit about his stock price. Like he sends like investigators after them in person and tries to get them fired and stuff. Harvey Weinstein had literal Mossad agents following people. Like this isn't conspiracy. It's yeah, just, they're billionaires. Yeah, they, but he they, does it for a stock price. If a columnist <laughs> said something about him that he didn't like, it's just like, okay, you'll be you'll be stalked by people that are just happy to be outside of Gaza for a couple months. Like, <laughs> of course, Elon Musk. Like, I'm sure that guy. I'm sure that like something awful goon who was an engineer for Tesla and was just shit posting for the longest time about how everything about their assembly process is absolute dog shit. Yeah. I'm sure there's just like a, a headless Bojack Horseman Funko Pop in his bed right now <laughs> as a warning to the others. <laughs> I bet there is. Oh, but yeah, uh, thanks for listening, y'all. Have a good one.